You're listening to WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. And this is the New England Take. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. Be sure to check out New England Take on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as TikTok sometimes if I see my cat or bird and whatever else, maybe. Uh, we all the back episodes also at nhtalkradio.com and all your favorite podcast services if you search for New England Take. This week, we're going what was the initial purpose of my radio show is just kind of get random people in that I know and maybe don't know and just chat about whatever for 40 minutes. So we got Jess Place to the show. Welcome. Hello. Hello, everybody. So Jess is a transplant to New Hampshire. I am. And I got... That's, I got the feeling there's a lot of people from Concord that are transplants and did various other things or came from other parts of the state, maybe got their education in the state like me and ended up staying and uh, just uh, uh, weaseling his way in deeper deeper into the university system for full-time employment. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, Jess has been on the show previously. We actually worked together at the University of New Hampshire as our full-time job, so full disclosure on that for anyone that really cares um just works in our alumni department but it's uh he's got an interesting backstory working in hollywood and traveling around he does a podcast with the um denver broncos fan site and talking about what they do over there but we don't care about football so we're not going to go too deep no, into that there's no football yeah, no, not, I, don't, I don't know no, i don't have much football. to say uh, <laughs> nothing to say about football at all not this year <laughs> i've already said well, it. Hush, hush. we've already buried the needle on that topic so yeah. So, so what really interested me, I thought it would be great to dive into a bit, is your background in working in Hollywood. I mean, what really got you initially into working into the film industry? Oh, well, uh, my whole family is, is surrounded by the film industry. Um, my aunt is actually an actress. Uh, my oh, cool. cousin is a line producer. She uh, made her way in uh, via the accounting departments for various productions. Um, and so I, I kind of grew up around it. Um, and I kind of decided that that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a screenwriter. And so I went mm. to, uh, to college in, in New Mexico, went to film school. Um, studied storytelling, and then promptly went into the business side of uh, the entertainment industry and had nothing to do with uh, <laughs> anything creative. I feel like that's creative. almost always the case. Like, almost everyone goes to college or gets some sort of um, apprenticeship, essentially, in some creative aspect of it, and then you realize, like, maybe 5% of the people that work in the film business actually do the creative side of the business. Right, yeah, well, because everyone wants to be a director or everyone wants to be a writer, and... Um, you know, you, you get your toehold and then you just start paddling like crazy. Otherwise, the, uh, the, the current will, will take you away into, you know, parts unknown into various recesses of the entertainment industry. And so um, I, I found that I, I really liked, you know, the, the ins and outs of the business of entertainment. And so that's kind of, that's kind of where I started uh, making my bed. So, yeah, it's, uh, do you feel like having that, that education leading into, Going going into being a professional in the field was helpful, or was it basically, hey, it was cool, I got to learn something interesting that I like to, to, to do, but ended up not really playing into what I did professionally? Well, I, I had a choice. I could either take web design or business of entertainment in film school, and thankfully I took business of entertainment, and yeah. that, that did help me. Uh, I was able to n- know uh, you know, the, what various – you know, the processes mm-hmm. and how a, a production is put together, and so that, that came into be – um, super helpful. Yeah, my music degree wasn't 
<laughs> yeah. Well, you you could you could work a mixer. Exactly. Like work yeah. a mixer. I could produce this darn show. That's right. Uh, which is nice and do do all the other technical stuff around here. But it's always funny here. Is it's so much nowadays with I feel like a lot of people and you're you're slightly older than me. Uh, we're we're pushed hard to go get that undergrad degree, and then it's like, oh no. Yeah. No one has ever asked to see my film degree. Yeah. Not once. No. It's once. not happened. But I will say that. Uh, Film school did help me, and because early I started uh, on the sets of, mm-hmm. of TV and film and music videos and commercials and all sorts of other things, um, and so I, I knew I knew what stuff was. You know, mm-hmm. I was able to. I, I knew you know don't touch lights. Yes, <laughs> don't don't there's, touch there's people that do that. Don't touch stuff we'll that's not yours. Uh, you know, and and so I, I got to see kind of from the very very bottom how how things are, were put together and then I slowly transitioned into the offices and then I was a development executive for a while uh, for a company that did TV movies for Lifetime and, and oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah yeah and ABC and a bunch of you know a bunch of did a bunch of TV movies and then um, then there was a, a labor strike uh, writers went on strike actors went on strike and that kind of and then there was like massive mergers of uh, there's a lot of, of business agencies. restructuring at that point yeah yeah and so so I got into business affairs at ABC Studios um, and hated that that was awful and <laughs> uh, and then I became a stay-at-home dad and then I moved to New Hampshire <laughs> and here we are. The and, and uh, is it because your wife's work basically why you ended up yes, out here? Yes, my wife got a, a great job. Um, and uh, we had two small boys, and it was like, she's like, "What do you think of New Hampshire?" And I'm like, "I I bought beer there once, and uh, I did a, a a TV show in Maine, and I spent uh, Easter with a, a family that lived right on the border, and <laughs> we went and bought beer." And that was my my first experience uh, in New Hampshire. At the we bought some very cheap beer at a gas station. What what's that transition been like to living in in <laughs> the area here? I love it. Yeah. I love it. Like you know, everyone is so nice. Like, yeah. It, like the people are great. I mean, you know, you do hear about like the you know the insular New Englanders, <laughs> um, but like you were saying earlier, a lot of people are from other places because it's the right. capital. Um, you, a lot of people come from somewhere else, and so there's there's like this fun kind of kinship with uh, that that the uh, the outliers have. Um, you know, there's a lot of Midwesterners. <laughs> Do you there? realize that? Are there? There's a lot of Midwesterners. Michigan? There's a lot oh, yeah. of Michigan. Oh, yeah. There's a lot there's of Michiganers. A bunch of people that went to University of Michigan ended up over here for some reason. You'll see those damn blue and yellow stickers on their right? cars yeah. around town. Yeah, Ohio. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it's hilarious. I don't understand. I'm a Mainer. It's like I grew up in Maine, and I went to Franklin Pierce University for my undergrad and basically never really left the state since and uh, to, since 2006. So uh, <laughs> so, so I'm a, a more minor transplant. But yeah, there's been a bunch of New Englanders, but I feel like that their mentality kind of fits in with this part of the state. It is. Um, no, I, I've, I said it last time I was on the show. They're, they're the nicest people. It, it, you wouldn't know that they root for the wrong sports team. Exactly, right? Like, <laughs> like That's just like this one character flaw. And it's it, it's just, it's a damn shame. It's all up and down the I-93 corridor. It's <laughs> like they, they commute to Boston. And it's like, I don't want to deal with Massachusetts people really that closely. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really I really enjoy living here. It's It's... You know, there are times when I'm. Just, it's like so perfect that I like don't know. Um, like it doesn't feel real. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, you you. I grew up in Colorado, and 
you know, you you've heard stories about people growing up near town ponds and in there's woods in their backyard and things like that. But I, you know, I grew up in Denver. It's like a city, and yeah, you know, that doesn't exist. That I I, I it was a myth, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I look at my kids and they're growing up, you know ice skating on a pond like like what is this real life like sure is like how great is this so i feel like concord especially is like this kind of in between of kind of you get kind of the feel of the slightly larger cities but it doesn't have the population density which is really nice yeah it, it's easy enough to run into boston it's only like an hour away i which got an is eight nice. minute commute to work exactly like, yeah. i walk yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, well when i don't have a sprained ankle I, was, like, I literally sprained my ankle two weeks ago before i went on a dc trap that was that was a great idea skateboarding accident yeah oh yeah skateboarding <laughs> yeah definitely it definitely wasn't uh, the second step off my front uh steps in front of my door is on the pavement like <laughs> yay it was probably iced over oh yeah of course yeah oh yeah say all that frost we've had <laughs> yeah. really really yeah. came for me <laughs> so so eventually we'll be getting into we, i want to discuss the alec baldwin situation at oh, some yeah. point with you yeah. we will get into that uh in the second segment here but i mean wh- what was your experience working on set i mean you you did some some work directly on set before you ended up working in the office right that's correct yeah so um well, my very first show, it was. Uh, I, do you remember uh, Elian Gonzalez, the the, yes. the little fella who yes. washed ashore? Uh, so I, yeah, I did a. Uh, it was for Fox Family, which later became ABC Family, which later became something else. But <laughs> the, um, those broadcast shows. Yeah, yeah, and so it was. It was. It was fun because I was in the prop department. I was supposed to bounce around as an intern to all the different departments, but I fell in with these guys, and they were like. They were really funny and really awesome. And so I just decided I was like, no, I'm just going to do a prop internship. And so, um, you know, so like with the Alec Baldwin thing, like there's all sorts of weapons involved and and, and uh, things like that. And so that's kind of falls in the under the purview of the prop department. Yeah. Which, so I, I really enjoyed uh, working uh, props. And then th- those guys, they ended up uh, hooking me up with some people that um, – that gave me production work, and so I, I was a set production assistant and worked my way to, you know, assistant director and did, you know, every every set position you could mm-hmm. – art department to, you know, I mean, anything, like driver. I was a cast driver for uh, <laughs> for Brittany Murphy and, and uh, Patrick Fugit shortly after uh, Almost Famous and um, – you know, it, it just – anything and everything. I would do yeah. anything – just to you know, get that check, and so yeah. uh, just to keep putting one foot in front of the other, uh, you know, so I wouldn't have to put uh, rent on my uh, credit card. Yeah, it, that's uh, the thing. That, yeah, it's <laughs> the thing. People don't realize what 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 the staffing of a film set really is like, or whether it's TV or a movie or anything like that. It's people are there. They have a set purpose that they're there for, and you hire people that it's like this is your job. If you're the gaffer. You're the gaffer. You're going to be responsible for this to make sure it's done correctly so that you're not dealing with uh, union issues. You're not stepping on someone's toes. You actually get done correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can't have a jack of all trades on a film set, really. No. You, everyone is very specialized, very departmentalized. I mean, even down to like the production department. So it's like you start. And at first, you're just your your job is just to make sure people don't wander through the shot, you know. And then yeah. if, if you're good at that, then they'll give you. The walkie-talkie responsibility. You you keep track of who gets radio, and people lose them all the time, and <laughs> you know batteries, and you know you got to make sure you know. And I look at the lower budget shows. You got to bring the the damn radios home and charge <laughs> them up, you know, at night, you know, 
all that stuff. And then if you get good at that, then you get to work with the extras. And so, you know, you make sure that they show up, they eat, they, you know, you are where you need them when they are needed. And, you you know, you position them and help the assistant directors, you know, put them so that they look like they're actually like working in an office or sitting at a sporting event or at a, you know, I don't know, at a high school. Mm-hmm. And so, so, and then you, you get good at that. And then, then once you've finally done that, then they trust you with the, the like the actors. And so yeah. you can help with the assistant directors. I mean, technically the assistant directors are supposed to do this, but no assistant director does it. It's always like the specialized PA that does it, mm-hmm. you know, which is a blatant violation of all sorts of union rules, but whatever, it's how it works. Yeah. Um, it's the real world versus how the contract is written is always yeah, a thing. Yeah. And so, so I, I worked on uh, like the the Pirates of the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and I worked on um, West Wing. I did three seasons of the West Wing, <laughs> which was which was awesome. Like so, on that show, um, I was the B unit, you know, PA that dealt with all the cast. So it's like I I would hang out there with John Spencer and <laughs> um, uh, uh, what's his name, the crazy guy's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen, yes. <laughs> Martin Sheen and Allison Janney and and Richard Schiff and you know Rob Lowe and all these you know and so I would I, I would be responsible for making sure that they were where they needed to be that they'd been through hair and makeup and that they you know were were broken for lunch and time to come back to get back into hair and makeup and all this stuff and keep track and um and so that was my set experience and then I was like. And then I fell in love, and I was like, "All right, well, I'll move to Nebraska for a year." So, <laughs> <laughs> Women do a thing to you. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, so I, I I moved to Nebraska, and I worked in uh, I I sold advertising for a sports radio <laughs> station, um, fourteen eighty KLMS, uh, and and then uh, that th- they were in the process of switching formats to classic country, and there was kind of upheaval, and I. I didn't think sales was really for me, mm-hmm. and so in the long run, I just couldn't hack it in Nebraska, so I had to go back to Los Angeles and um, uh, kind of like the reverse Hollywood story. Can, couldn't, yes. couldn't hack it. Had to go back to the big city. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and so so I, I, I had a buddy that I went to college with, and he was a, a development assistant for this TV movie company, and he was like, I'm, I'm out. I'm done. That's it. Here's a slot. And so, so I went in and I, you know, I coordinated uh, the Amber Fry. Remember Scott Peterson and Amber yes. Fry? Yeah. So I coordinated the TV movie uh, for that, like the Los Angeles uh, end of it, making sure that the studio and the network got all the stuff that they needed to get from the production that was shooting in Canada because all good television is shot in Canada. Yes. It's cheaper. <laughs> There's no people up there. <laughs> right. Yeah, you have exactly. to move. You have to close as many streets. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And everybody is so nice. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And then I got promoted, and then the company ran out of money, and so I stopped showing up. And... <laughs> like I'm not getting paid. Screw this. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you learn a lot. You learn yeah. a lot about how TV is made, and you know, from the. It's like it's like building a building, you know. Yeah. The the development to producing is is like the architecture of mm-hmm. it, and then you know the construction is production. Right, and then you have all the crew, the the actors and the main directors that everyone just assumes the the above the line crew is what that's called. The they're the ones that are making the big bucks there and aren't working necessarily hourly usually. Um, which, which I mean, what's that relationship like on on set when you're talking the actors and the director and stuff versus the production crew? Does it really vary? Oh, you know, 
Be honest. <laughs> I see that face. I, I'm you're, just, in co- you're in Cogger now. You're safe. I'm, you're on the I other know, side yeah, of the no, country. No one's, no one's going to hear this, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, yes. There are occasions where the actors and... Uh, you have a Christian Bale moment. On set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, no, Richard Schiff. No. Um, no. Uh, it's... Yeah, I mean, it depends. Like, mm-hmm. some, some actors are really awesome. Some yeah. are really awesome. Like, uh, the, the movie Airplane, the guy, the main guy from the movie Airplane, mm-hmm. Robert Hayes, I did a, a terrible TV movie with him for the PAX channel. I, I don't even know what the PAX is Good now, God, but. yeah, that's got, that got, <laughs> they either, they got absorbed by CW or something. All the producers like. went to jail. Uh, <laughs> that's been scrubbed from Wikipedia. I don't know why. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, the Robert Hayes uh, is amazing. Like mm-hmm. the funniest guy you've ever met. Like he's exactly who you'd think he would be, having worked on Airplane, you know. Yeah. And so, so he was awesome. And then there were people that weren't as awesome. Mm-hmm. And you know, they may have starred in Greece, uh, but that's that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's and there's reasons why some of them are the way they are. Like uh, it Chevy Chase is known for being notorious to deal with, but. They say he's like he's likely got brain damage from doing so many slapstick movies yeah. for decades, and, and the impact of it's and plus the impact of these people also live entirely different lives than anyone else, where they basically are holed away or constantly getting media attention every five seconds in, in yeah. California. Yeah, it's well here I, I I do have a funny story. What's his name? The CSI Miami guy. What's that guy's name? Oh the, shoot. I can't remember. If I turn on my phone, we're gonna be hearing all sorts of buzzing noises. But yeah, that guy. Oh, what? Is, no, we have to look it up. We look it up. Okay, yeah. you continue. I'll find okay. his name. I'll find so, his name. Uh, yeah. So, uh, my, our office used to be in uh, Beverly Hills, and it was right there on Beverly Drive. And so you, you know, you would be just at lunch, and you know, various people would be coming by, and uh, David. David. David Caruso. David Caruso, and so so my so my boss, uh, this um, storied produ- TV producer from the seventies, and and TV movies. He did like a, a TV show called Tour of Duty in the eighties, and um, he won a Golden Globe for uh, a movie called Marlena. And he's kind of like this old school producer guy, you know. He's from Chicago, and you know, just kind, but kind of you know. Uh, Daffy, you just kind of, you know a little bit, a little bit yep. Daffy, uh, but but in, in a good way. He was he was an okay guy to work for sometimes, um, but so I was out with him uh, having lunch at the subway across the street, and uh, and David Caruso comes walking by, <laughs> and, and he's like, oh oh, come here, and so he, he like waves him down, and I'm not entirely sure that David Caruso had any idea who my boss was. <laughs> So I recognize your face. You're around sometimes. Yeah, yeah. He's, I, he, but so he, so my boss is like, see this guy, this guy. He's an up and comer. He's gonna be amazing. He's, you know, and he'd already done NYPD Blue and all this stuff. And so, <laughs> and so he was immediately confused. And so he's like, wow, that's great. Nice to meet you. And so David Caruso shakes my hand. <laughs> Thinking that my boss was talking about me to yeah. him because it didn't make any sense, and so I'm like, "Oh no, no, okay, hi, nice to meet you, David." Yeah. The, yeah. The, it seems to me, your discussions here. I've dealt with a lot of politicians <laughs> and, and like people that kind of are in that realm and the the, the high level staffers of people that are involved in politics. It sounds very familiar. The personalities. It's oh. a it's a certain kind of person that, oh, that's yeah. in the, this yeah. field. Yeah. So there's yeah and. <sighs> I got more stuff to tell. I could tell you a ton off 
<laughs> Mike. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I certainly bet. All right, we're we're gonna be going to a quick break right here. Uh, you're listening to the New England Take on WKXL 103.9 FM, 14:50 AM, Concord, and now 101.9 FM in Manchester, which we're so excited to now be broadcasting. And we're gonna be continuing with Jess Place here, buddy of mine. We're gonna be in the next segment discussing the Alec Baldwin uh, shooting situation that happened. There's a lot of stuff. Uh, I've had the opportunity to speak to a lawyer on uh, what what he thought his take is on it is it's really interesting so you don't want to miss it you're listening to the new england take you're listening to the new england take wkxl 1450 am and 103.9 fm in concord and 101.9 fm in manchester i'm your host aj kirstead be sure to check out nhtalkradio.com to get the back episodes of the show, as well as all the rest of our programming, including WKXL in the morning, which I also host here from Monday through Friday from 6 to 8 a.m. The New England Take actually rebroadcasts from 6 to 7 a.m. on Mondays, so don't miss that. Uh, We're continuing my conversation with Jess Place, a buddy of mine that uh, we work together, but this isn't about that work. This is about your old work. My old work. (laughs) In uh, the before time. In in the the long, long, long ago. It's the forever ago. (laughs) (laughs) uh, We talked about in the previous segment his experience in the film industry, how he ended up there, and being a transplant in New Hampshire. So be sure to check out the podcast version of the show at nhtalkradio.com if you missed that. Um, but I wanted to chat about chat with you about the Alec Baldwin situation uh, last week on the set of the film Rust, which is currently or was in production at the time. In Santa Fe, uh, New Mexico, where New I Mex- went to college. I know. Go figure. Yeah. Like, it all comes full circle. It does. Yeah. And a very tragic incident. Helena Hutchins, who was the cinematographer on set, was killed by gunfire on set uh, while they were rehearsing for a shoot. And it's just tragic and horrible all the way around but it's also like shows every step of the way things just weren't a weren't handled correctly and b if they could have went wrong did went wrong go wrong it's just horrible and i mean what was your initial reaction when you when you begin to see some of the information coming oh it's off well i mean you when i was in uh, a teenager you know you remember uh brandon lee from the crow yeah getting killed in, in a very similar manner um and yeah, it's it's awful. Like it should never happen. And it, unfortunately, like in the in production life, uh, there are a lot of people that uh, don't really care about safety. It's yeah. not it's not important. And it's just it you know it's just a a trivial right of production. Uh, safety meetings, you know, the, the, uh, on every call sheet, which is basically like the daily schedule, it says safety meeting at call. And very rarely was there ever real safety meetings yeah and so it's just it's it's on there for insurance reasons and people you know they don't really pay any attention and unfortunately a lot of people were not paying attention and being derelict in their duties and they all compounded upon each other there's there's so many so many checks that that are in place on a film set that were just blatantly ignored and someone someone died as a result yeah i mean the the biggest just red flag that just glares at you is there was live ammo on set. Yes. I, I mean, the gun, you do see real guns in movies. I mean, there are real guns oh, that yeah. are in movies. Yeah. I mean, if it's firing a blank, essentially it can fire a real bullet. It's a real gun. It's, yeah. it's, it's, that's a gun. It's There's gunpowder yeah. and such that makes that blank 
be a blank. It's not it's not CGI necessarily. And the fact that there was live ammo, there was target practice happening on site. People walked out because there were guns misfiring on Where set. Where did you hear that actually? Because the the target practice, yeah. I, it was uh, in the LA Times article. I think even referenced that. Ah, uh, it okay. could be wrong, but well, <laughs> I believe I've heard that from multiple sources that there was target practice happening on set. So okay, so. I was talking to so okay. I still have a lot of friends that are still in the business, yeah. and um, you know various capacities. Uh, they've they've all kind of progressed through their career. They're no longer you know on like I was a set production assistant mm-hmm. with many of these guys. Um, but you were talking about how there was live ammunition, there was target practice, and yeah. so uh, <laughs> it, it was kind of a very off the record. Uh, you can edit this part out, but <laughs> yet last night I was talking to my buddy, yeah, and, and he he. And he had mentioned that um, her dad, the armorer, yeah. was the armorer for t- And I guess during lunch, oh, really? on t- or whoever would go and shoot uh, at lunch. And so I guess she was doing that as well. And that's how live ammunition got there. But oh my god! So if I don't. That's so, true. If that's true, that's going to come out if it's true, anyways. Yeah, I know. Well, so that's that's horrible. That's just. This is the prime prime example of not following safety procedures and having someone green on set improperly supervised. It's a lot. Yeah. When it comes to the ammo. There's a lot in addition to that. But when it comes to the fact there was live ammo on set, I mean, that's – it's so easy to to confuse it. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, there's a lot – there's, like, dummy rounds. Yeah. There's blanks. And then, you know, because, like, if you have a revolver, you have to have dummy rounds, which look like real bullets. Right. You know, but they they don't fire. They don't do Mm -hmm. anything. They just – they look like bullets, but they're not. Right. Um, And then, you know, you have the blanks for the the muzzle flash and things Mm -hmm. like that. And – yeah, yeah, live ammunition should never, should never. I mean, so like the, the structure of of the uh, of uh, uh, the uh, the structure of the of a motion picture, how it's put together. Um, this type of movie, Rust, it's it's a western, and so right. um, oftentimes when there's when there's heavy uh, heavy gunfire and lots of guns and things like that, the production will contract with the armorer directly. Um, from what I'm hearing in the news, I don't think that that is necessarily the case because right. there was just a search warrant executed for the prop truck, which is where the um, the ownership for the armorer goes. It's 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 a contract of the prop department, right? And so um, because right, anything that yeah. the the actors handle is a prop, um, and so. Uh, this particular armor armorer, I believe, was contracted through the prop department. Yeah. Um, based off of her father's her father's uh, success. corporation. Yeah, and so you know, it, it, and that, that that begs the question, you know, because we work at the law school. It's like yeah. if she was working for the armorer for her dad, the armorer's company. Then, then they could probably go after him. They could oh yeah, probably, they can go after the the prop master. They can go after. The and it goes all the way up, it, all the way so up the line. There are so many people to sue. Oh my goodness! I, I had a great conversation with Sean Watwood, who's he's an actor and an attorney. He's actually a practicing attorney on the Legal Impact, which is UNH Franklin Pierce's podcast. It's something I do for them. It's not uh, part of the New England Take It All. Let's make that clear. But I definitely suggest it. Check out uh, law.unh.edu/podcast. The, the interview is on that feed, and it, it's 
the con like every step of the way when you're looking at a film set is all sorts of corporations that are made to shield or incorporate you into what's going on protect on you from taxes and exactly and responsibility exactly <laughs> so in theory if the the armorer messed up it could, and the prop master wasn't aware of what's going on. The prop master might be okay because it was the armorer when they weren't being supervised. What happened on this set is every step in the chain of command bypassed the safety rules or, and wasn't doing what they were supposed to when it comes to how this gun ended up in the hands of Alec Baldwin. It, it First of all, the armorer wasn't the one who gave the gun to Alec Baldwin. Well, the armorer – well, yes, that's true. But the armorer also should not have left guns yeah, on his on exactly. her cart uh, unattended. On, on shows uh, that, that I've worked on, uh, the, the, the guns are in a lockbox until it's time right. to, to Which go. Just like anyone who has a gun. Yeah, I mean, right. that's the biggest yeah. thing. I've, I've, I listened to a couple podcasts, and, and they had listeners calling into it, and they said, like – Gun handling 101, you lock up your gun when you're not holding it or if it's not on you in some way. You lock up the ammo separately. You don't keep it just out. You definitely keep an armed weapon just out. And if you're given a gun, you check it first to make sure it actually isn't loaded. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is a reason why a lot of people are calling out Alec Baldwin in the gun community is because he didn't make sure it was actually an unloaded gun was given to him. I don't know if necessarily that's the, his job when he's on set because of the way everything is so siloed when you're on a film set for that responsibility. But that seems like a big, a big hole in the way that the film community might be handling guns if that isn't what's happening. Well, I've seen it both ways. I've yeah, se- I've seen I- I've seen the assistant director say, "Okay, everybody, this is you know." Hot gun, whatever, and uh, you know they'll 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 have the armor open it up and be like there are three rounds in here or there's one round mm-hmm. and it's shown at least y- so they can see what's yeah, going on. Yeah, they, there's there's an announcement. It's it's part of the pre-roll shout outs mm-hmm. that, that basically happen. Um, but then I've also seen just I you know no like. No, here you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's, a, here's a weapon. And yeah, you might be fine. Don't worry. Well, the other issue is that the assistant director uh, grabbed it off the cart. Like, yeah. So, a where was where was the the, the prop master? Yeah. The, the, that that in relief of the armorer could at mm-hmm. least keep an eye on this stuff. Right. I mean, uh, where was the armorer? Like, are they at craft service getting a sandwich? Yeah. Like, like what what is going on? What, where are you that you are so busy that you can't be with your guns mm-hmm. when you are there to supply the guns? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't. That that b- blows my mind. And then the, you have the assistant, the assistant director. What the hell was he thinking? It, yeah, he right. knows. Right. I mean, if you're an assistant director, it's most likely not your first time on set. Right. <laughs> right. You've been on no. set for years probably. It's very point. hard to be an assistant yeah. director. It is it, it is very hard. It, uh, there's also problems, though, with the crew and hotels getting canceled. Yeah. And, and offered, not getting paid. Not getting paid, yeah, which it, is I mean, very common. I mean, you, you, and it's the reason why there is talk of a possible strike going on for a lot of the – for one of the bigger unions when it comes to film production on the below-the-line staff I mean, just a month ago. They, they managed to work around it, fortunately, which – Basically, would have shut down f- filming across the country. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. there's a lot of people that that are we talked about in the last segment that are behind the scenes with make sure the film goes actually happens. Whether it's putting tape on the floor, or passing around walkie talkies, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> whether it's turning on the camera, making well, sure it's putting tape out. on the floor that's a union job. Yeah. Passing out the walkie talkies that's not. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but it's if you're if you're not 
taking care of your staff appropriately. You think those safety procedures are going to be lax before. They're going to say, screw it, I'm getting paid almost nothing or I'm not getting paid at all. i got to travel two hours to get to set because it's in the middle of nowhere because I'm not paying for my hotel anymore. What do you think is going to happen? It's just like any any other business. If you're having a restaurant and you are you just don't pay your staff for a couple weeks, say, hey, we're behind. We're not making enough money right now. Everyone's going to start feeling less and less responsible for what's going on. Yeah. And they're not going to take anything seriously, and they're going to start treating the customers like crap. They're going to not make sure the food is prepared properly. They're not going to clean up everything the way they maybe would have if they are properly compensated and rested. Right. I mean, imagine right. that, getting rest before you show no. up on set when there's going to be days, guns. Six days a week. Uh, yeah. It's uh, In the middle of nowhere. Well, Santa Fe. Santa Fe yeah. is beautiful. Is <laughs> I've seen pictures. Yeah, yeah. I've been to Albuquerque. Well, it, 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 there is this mentality of we just need to get the shot. Right. Like it doesn't matter. Like like let let's just get the shot and move on, and then the the, the danger goes away. Yeah. Uh, there was I did a show where uh, there was like a, 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 a people in a rowboat, and they were like, "How many people can we put in this rowboat?" So yeah. what did you what did we do? We went over to the producer's house and a bunch of uh, office staff climbed into this rowboat and they're like okay well this this boat can support eight people in the swimming pool and so on the day on the day of shooting we took the boat and put it into the ocean and got the eight people in it and then the boat sank oh man (laughs) (laughs) and so and on that very same shoot uh, we had to build a water tank because there was a lot of a lot of water work and you just see like these giant you know four-aught thick cables just like sitting in puddles of water and it's just like you could kill everybody like, yeah like this needs to be so they're like so the solution of course is to just get a uh an apple box and just like you know yeah, set it on work. top of it so which is totally ridiculous the, there's this balance when you're when it comes to filming where there's this mix between the creative side where i'm excited to be creating a film good god i'm working on star wars and so this is something i've always wanted to do i'm so excited to be here and there's a creative aspect and a passion aspect to it that kind of leads you to maybe get a little loose when it comes to a lot of stuff because you're excited to be there and it's more than a job it's like this is something i'm passionate about versus the real world this is a business you're you're here working this is a job and if you're going to if you mess up, there's far-reaching financial implications. Uh, someone could die, like what happened on the set of Rust, because you're mishandling firearms. Um, and that balance is really hard to kind of meet, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's yeah, it's um, th- well, th- there's there's this like permissible insanity that like y- yeah, y- you know, creatives can can be as crazy as they want. You know, because I'm I'm creating, and you're all here because of me, and and this is my vision, and and don't get in the way of my vision, and right. and I, I, there's this story uh, of of this director who came out uh, in the, uh, they were shooting at a house, and at this house there was this big tree in the front yard, and he came out and was like, we need to move this tree over. <laughs> Two feet. And so the art department, being geniuses that they were, they dug a hole two feet to the right of it and filled it in. And the director came out and he's like, I don't know how you did that so fast, but this is perfect. Once again, because we talked in previous segments, like actors and directors feel like politicians to me with the, the mindset. That's total. That's totally the same mindset. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so, like that's a great – you know that's a great example of they they didn't really need it, but they just wanted to know that 
it could be done. Exactly. Or, so in his mind, the tree was moved, and mm-hmm. you know, it, and all was well. And his creative vision was How did you do this so met. fast? Well, yeah, <laughs> it's a secret. Um, and, and when it comes to, uh, I mean, going back a bit to what what happened on set of Rust, I mean the the criminal side of this that could possibly come from this is oh, yeah. huge. I mean, New Mexico police are actively investigating San yeah. police. Yeah, Sheriff and... Mendoza. <laughs> yeah, I saw him on the news this morning. The because uh, I mean, there could be criminal charges. I mean, whether it's the armor, there will be criminal. Oh, charges. there will. Yeah, there will be for sure. Yeah, but it's a matter of whether how bad it ends up being, whether it's manslaughter or something uh, less Multiple severe. Charges. But yeah, I'd... I mean, Alec Baldwin's the producer on set. I mean, it was. Just we don't know exactly. We're gonna find out eventually through court proceedings, most likely, uh, how deep it goes with his responsibility for what was going on. And said as a producer, because a lot of actors just end up as producers just to kind of sell the movie, uh, so they get put into that that or role. they get extra participation on yeah. on any profits. But movies don't ever really make profits. So right. <laughs> because yeah, of, the uh, distribution, the creative is... accounting that happens. Uh, yeah. Can tell you more about that too. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about radio in the eighties too, while we're at it. Uh, The um, but I'm yeah exactly. (laughs) Good God! Anytime I get an old radio guy, I'm like, oh, you got stories. I just oh, I can't talk about on air. Uh, The um, but I'm in the armor for for leaving guns unattended there's all sorts of implications with that the the assistant director that gave the gun to, to he's not Baldwin. supposed to touch props yeah he should never touch a prop yeah never ever that's yeah, it's and, like and, 101 ba- like you don't get to touch the walkie talkies if you don't know that rule and, and the chance of any of these people that are involved with this movie production ever being able to work in the industry again i mean good luck I mean, the, the studios are going to be, except for maybe Baldwin might be able to recover over time, so how big he is. But well, the crew, I mean, the crew, the crew will be fine. Yeah. But but it's it, it's the producers that really yeah. have to work, and, and the armor's career is clearly over. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, and, and she's, yeah, it's not. I mean, she good. she might appear, if, if the way it appears happened, she screwed her father's company over entirely. I mean, if, I mean, if she is part an employee of that company and they, they contracted with the company and not the person, right. then yes, I, I mean it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, I, do you do you expect this to be a wake up call at all, or do you think it's just going to kind of go back to lackadaisical? Because I mean, you talked about Brandon Lee previously who died on the set of the Crow, and it feels like after that there's a lot of awareness and maybe consideration of what you're doing on set when it comes to guns. I mean, how long after that until it just fades in the distance because you once again you go back to that creative vision. There is. Yeah, I mean, there's always set stuff because film production it's it's high dollars it's 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 constr- like I said it's like construction but mm-hmm. it's but it's under such intense pressure because so much money is tied up in the time it takes to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's you know I mean even from when I was on set and you'd work eighteen hours a day and you'd have to drive home and like I there were times I was driving home in in, the, in morning rush hour traffic having worked all night falling asleep on the freeway like yeah. and stop and go traffic and having people honk and wake me up like there there there's been a push uh, for for better hours for better working conditions better pay better you know all of it I mean it's like any other workplace it's mm-hmm. like it, you know they try to get do as little as they can. And it's a workplace that could literally project to project go be anywhere in the world, depending on yeah. what company you work for. Well, it, is, it, it pops up. It's a pop-up company. Yeah. It pops up, works for six months, and then disappears. It's dissolved. You know, there there are all – like studios, they have 
<laughs> they have these companies that are that they have acquired and they're just they're just for purposes of bookkeeping and so like i we do a tv movie with warner brothers and we would find out in the office which company would be the one <laughs> would be our production company yeah. from the studio and so it'd be like oh you're you're this and so so we'd have to fill out all the paperwork to rent stuff and this insurance and all that stuff um using using this Using this company instead of the studio right. to sh uh, basically shield the studio from um, from it, like if if something like this happens, right. you know, um, like there was a Rust Corporation or LLC when it came to the there, there of is film. definitely an LLC behind. I mean, I I don't know that for sure. No, there is, but I'm there yeah, is there you go, yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting. All right, we're 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 hitting the end here. Thank you so much for joining me. This of course, this, this yeah, is, this is super fun to dive into your backstory and oh, yeah. uh, the the whole situation with Russ, which is just fascinating from a legal and just production standpoint. It's going to be happened. something to see what happens with this. I think they're going to stick a boot deep, deep, within. deep, deep. <laughs> <laughs> and All they right. should. They yeah. should. Oh yeah, definitely. All right, you're listening to New England Take. I'm your host AJ Kirstead. We'll be right back after this.